wage wars through the water Thinking I'm Uncle Sam I'm trying to make you live it all I'm just a working man and I sighed, but softly So Alvaro wouldn't pick up on my frustration There was no need to say anything, Alvaro These are honest people we're dealing with Alvaro made a sound like a squirrel on meth I was loving the ride High-flying among the possibilities Becoming an almost overnight millionaire Getting caught and landing in jail The U.S. government seizing Citizens National and Guaranteeing only $250,000 for each depositor Slicing my stake in this operation to a sliver And putting me on the wrong side of a kingdom It was Alvaro's apparent and unhinged joy with our progress that was unnerving me. I couldn't figure out if he was truly coming mentally unhinged or if he was simply going to relish making my life miserable until the day this deal was done. But when you're at a loss to how to reply to an overstimulated woodland creature, you change the subject. Where are your wife and kids? Where are your wife and kids tonight, Alvaro? I was thinking on my way over, I'd get to see your kids and finally meet your wife. What do you care, Clint? He was grinning like the maniac he either was or was pretending to be for the evening. Then suddenly shouting, Ay, Dios mío, soy caliente de diablo. And he took a running leap into the deep end of the pool. The wave he created splashed over me, dampening my shirt and soaking me from the knees down. Alvaro surfaced and saw me looking with disdain at my wet pants. <laughs> now you have no reason not to take off your clothes and come in too. Aren't you hot, Clint? My partner? Huh? Doesn't the water feel good? My wife is taking the boys to her mother's and won't be back until morning. So take off your pants. Let me see what kind of underwear you have on under there. But you wear Calvin's, don't you? Come on in. Oh, boy. I groaned, but silently. Here it comes. Time for me to bed down my business partner. And he's never going to take no for an answer. It's certainly not the state he's in right now. Just then I noticed smoke billowing from the direction of the grill. 200 bucks of prime Argentinian beef about to go up in flames. Grabbed a pair of tongs resting on the stainless steel lip to flip them off the heat and onto a platter on the table behind the grill. Alvaro, whooping, hoisted himself up on the side of the pool. Good catch, my friend. He was whooping again and clapping wildly as he crossed the patio to pick up one of the thick white towels folded on one of the lounge chairs, stopping only to vigorously towel himself dry. Good catch. You saved our dinner, my partner. I watched him throw the towel over his head to sponge the water out of his thick, dark hair. For a moment, I thought the distraction of the grill fire had saved me that he was completely distracted again and the only thing that would have to get wet that night were my ankles. But Alvaro romped across the patio to grab my hand. Come, my partner. There is a reason my wife isn't home tonight. I have a surprise for you. He yanked me toward the table where the steaks were still sizzling on their platter. I could feel my heart sinking in my chest, but I knew better than to reject him. And to get through it, I would have to conjure a fantasy greater than any I'd ever let myself dream in the past. I let him drag me to the table and push me into one of the cushioned chairs. Here we are. Here is your surprise. 
He picked up the iPhone that was resting near the platter on the tabletop. His fingers moved quickly, pressing and swiping until he found the screen he was looking for. You're my friend. Have a look for yourself. I directed my eyes to the screen, unsure if I should be relieved that he seemed once again distracted or bracing myself for worse to come. What he wanted to show me were pictures of men. Nude men, men in their underwear, fully clothed men, young men, older men. Pictures from the front, pictures from the back, pictures from the side. Candid photos of men with crew cuts, studio portraits of men with locks Hollywood starlets would envy. Snapshots of bald men at the very grill from which I just saved the steaks. Average men, ugly men, stunningly beautiful men. Alvaro swiped through the photographs at a dizzying pace, grunting at each new face as if he was punctuating the view. He'd swiped through 30, maybe 40 photographs before he slapped the phone back on the table. You know why I'm showing you this, my friend? Not really, Alvaro. Alvaro laughed, but ruefully. No longer the child on a sugar high, once again the dark, ruthless man with whom I was comfortable. <laughs> I'm showing you these faces because they all belong to men I was associated with at one time. All of them let me down in one way or the other. Some of them revealed information they should have considered private and some stole from me. I believe most to be friends. The ones that stole from me would have only had to ask and I would have gladly given them whatever they wanted. When I make a friend, I expect loyalty in all matters. When that trust is violated, I have to retaliate in the only way I know how. I nodded my head in understanding, keeping eye contact, not blinking. I understand what you're saying. I placed a hand on his knee and moved my face closer to his. I don't like it either when someone is disloyal to me. I promise you that if I ever have a problem with you, I will tell you directly. I expect the same from you. Before he could answer me, the outside security lights blazed on and the sound of doors opening and closing came from the main house. His kids darted out of the house towards us. Alvaro looked alarmed, but as the kids ran to him, he deftly flipped the phone so that it faced the table, the photographs hidden from his children. And then he stooped and held out his arms that they could run into him. My sons, what are you doing home? Huh? You are supposed to be at your abuela's house with your mother. The boys giggled as their father kissed their necks. Alvaro scooped them up into his arms and started towards the house. Sophia, Sophia, what are you doing home? I told you I had business tonight and to go to your mother. What was I supposed to do? He peed in his pants all over my mother's good sofa. He is a baby. You could not think to take extra clothing for your baby son. This was as far as the domestic disagreement had progressed before I made it to the other side of the patio and slipped out quietly to the driveway and into my car. My cell phone rang as I drove the long stretch of highway from the hacienda back into Merida. I drove in silence, my hands still shaking slightly. The after effects of seeing Alvaro's portrait gallery, that look of pure, delectable adrenaline. Hello, Jack. 
Hey, Clint. Quite a day we've had. <laughs> you could say. Hey, Clint. Uh, I've got to tell you something that's bugging me. Shoot. Well, Alvaro. Uh-huh. He called me 13 times at the office today, you know, to find out how the transfers were coming along. But that was all over hours ago. And he keeps calling this evening and... Yes? He seems a little... He seems fucking bonkers, you know? The last thing I needed was one of my business partners thinking, knowing that the other one was crazy. He's just... Happy and, and excited, Jack. He's gregarious by nature, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Clint, look, here's the thing. What? How did he get my cell number? Apparently, mine wasn't the only life Alvaro was going to make miserable until this whole business was over with. Jack convinced me to talk to his parents. Look, my dad's had business partners up his ass all of his life. Board members, investors... If anyone can tell you how to handle Alvaro, it's him. I regretted telling Jack about the show Alvaro had put on at his hacienda earlier in the evening. And hyperbole, or at least what I hoped was a gross overstatement in any case, seemed like the only way to soften the blow. Just talk to Dad. And so the very next day I did. I was stretched out on a lounge chair on my patio, nursing a beer after a successful day two of transferring another million into the U.S., entirely exhausted, not from honest labor, because the only real labor involved in my project was hauling bags of money out of Alvaro's hacienda and into the bank, and the bank's employees did that, and not from the stress that nearly always accompanies the rousing stimulation of doing something forbidden and getting away with it. Now, my exhaustion came from fielding yet another day of Alvaro's increasingly demanding outgoing phone calls. Is my money safe? How much of it is transferred now? When do I see a statement from your bank? I don't give a fuck if you gave me a receipt from some armored car people. You're fucking taking my money out of the country and I don't know where it is so I can use it. Jesus. <laughs> Jack, David, and Candace were on the other end of the telephone call, huddled around the island in David and Candace's kitchen, Jack's cell phone on speaker so we could all talk together. I could hear ice clinking as David rolled cubes around in his glass of single malt, and I could almost see Candace rolling her eyes. It seems to be the simplest answer is to invite Alvaro to come to Miami and take him to the bank to see where his money is. Except I don't want him to have simple answers. I mean, I don't want him to see how easy it is on our end to move his money. If he does, he might decide he doesn't need us as middlemen, which means I don't get my cut and I don't get to buy a share of the bank. Hell, it might mean he'd take his business to another bank entirely. So we don't let him see how straightforward the transfers are. David rolled his ice around in his glass again. Even separated by several hundred miles, I could still hear him thinking. Hmm. I take him to the bank, give him a tour, get him to sign a signature card so he feels official, and introduce him to a few of the officers so he feels important. Take him into my office and offer him a drink, walk him through the few subtler details of the transactions. You know, 
Betty's nine thousand nine hundred dollar deposit remains in any dormant account for a matter of only minutes before it's transferred out again. And how we circumnavigate the problem of monthly statements so some nosy relative doesn't inadvertently come into possession of an aging parent's bank accounts and get suspicious. I've talked my way through enough investor meetings and enough boardrooms over the years. Clint, trust me, I can make training Pokemon cards sound like the most complicated financial transaction in the world if I have to. I suppressed a laugh, though I distinctly heard Jack giggle out loud. Probably because he was just as surprised as I was that David even knew what Pokemon cards were. David, you'll need to be careful about which officers you introduce him to. If he finds out the FDIC has the bank on its watch list and that there's a limit of only 250000 insurance on any single account, then that is a whole new level of paranoia we'll be dealing with. Clint, do you honestly think an officer of the bank is going to announce the bank's problems? To someone I introduce as a new customer. Who's been paranoid now? <laughs> well, maybe so, David, but you haven't been down here dealing with a lunatic for two days. With 18 more to go, I took a swig of my beer. And let's not mention anything about me using part of my cut to buy an interest in a bank either. I can't think of a reason on earth why Alvaro would need to know that. Neither can I, Clint. So... I heard Candace tap the top of the kitchen counter with a ringed finger, gold clinking on marble. We're decided. Tomorrow's Friday. Clint, you put Alvaro on his plane to Homestead. Jack will pick him up and bring him to the house. The first order of business will be a nice family luncheon. Let him feel as if he's getting to know us as well as the bank. <laughs> nice touch, Mom. Just give Jack a call in the morning and tell him what time he'll be landing. I nodded. More to myself than for their benefit, of course. One major obstacle. Not that I think Abe would just show up at your house unannounced. I hesitated, trying to be delicate. I know you're not all best friends right at the moment, but there's always the possibility. And then, what about running into him when you take Alvaro to the bank? Got it covered. There's a Rotary Club lunch tomorrow in Miami. They asked me about a month ago to be the guest speaker. Funding options for startups or something. I just didn't want to do it, so I bowed out. They had to book a biologist who's researching pythons overtaking the Everglades. I'll call my buddy who invited me in the first place. I'll get him to bump the biologist and send Abe down there to give a talk that they wanted. There is no way he'll pass up the opportunity to be a big shot. And between the time it takes to drive there and the luncheon itself, we can count on Abe being out of the picture for a good three hours. By the time he gets back, I'll either be driving Alvaro back to the airport or have talked him into staying the night, hitting the gay bars at South Beach, where we all know Abe would never be caught dead. My little genius. Now hang up, fellas, so I can start planning the menu for this momentous gathering. I clicked off my phone, drained my beer, and then wandered into my bedroom. Turned on the TV, stripped off my shirt, and lounged out on the bed. Not quite ready for sleep. Thumb through an article in Fortune about preparing for retirement. Based on their formula, it'd take a person 30 years to accumulate $4 million. If that person had a cool $1 million to invest up front. Suckers, I said out loud and grinned. On the TV, a reporter was voicing over a video of a young hoodlum being escorted into jail. Yeah, right. I talked back to her. If you think any country's winning the war on drugs... You're on drugs. 
At seven the next morning, my phone buzzed. You've got a busy day today, my friend. Get your ass out of bed and get ready to transfer my monies. I hit mute so he wouldn't hear me sigh. Then, I'll be ready in 20 minutes. I'm leaving at nine to head to Homestead, so get over here and watch your armored car take away my money. I want my receipt before I leave. I stood over the toilet, trying to pee while I talked. That's the plan, Alvaro. My wife told me she wished you'd stayed longer the other night. She hoped you didn't leave because of her or the kids. Of course I left because of her and the kids. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I, I just wanted to get home and be rested to start work again in the morning. There'll be plenty of time for family and fun in a few weeks when all our business is done. Don't you agree? I used one hand to slide my Speedo on and headed downstairs to my pool. Oh, yes, my friend. There will be plenty of time for my family and you to know each other. Plenty of time. I clicked off my phone, placed it on the poolside table, and dove into the chilly water. For my money, and there'd soon be plenty of that too, a cold swim in the morning was more invigorating than the caffeine. I put in my standard 20 laps in the water and did 100 crunches poolside before I stretched out on my lounger to drink a quick cup of coffee and enjoy the pastry Pedro had brought me. Even taking my time to scan through the daily newspapers, I was showered, shaved, dressed for another day of money exchange, and on my way to Alvaro's by 8 a.m. sharp. Once again, the transfer of the money from the hacienda to the bank went seamlessly. Aside from Alvaro getting in the way, shouted commands ping-ponging between paranoia and vanity. This is my money, Clint, my partner, and today I'm going to go visit where you put it in the U.S. bank. Your friends better show me it is right where you said it is going to be. Hey, Clint, my friend, come here. Tell me if you like this shirt or another one for me. I'm meeting all my American partners today, and I want to impress them and look my best. Once again, the transfer of the money into the U.S. accounts worked flawlessly. I sat in Juan Carlos's office, rather mesmerized by the blinking green digits on the computer screens, watching the familiar names associated with each account scroll by, wondering what their owners were doing at this very moment. Being offered their morning meds by a cheerful LPN, having a sheet drawn over their no longer breathing bodies by a sullen orderly, in preparation for being wheeled down the nursing home hall and out of this world. I was supposedly supervising the transfers, but really all there was for me to do was to total in my head the growing amount of cash fattening my bank account with each new deposit, and to field Alvaro's increasingly demanding calls to my cell. How are the transfers coming along? How much is in my account now? You are keeping good track of this, yes? The calls didn't stop until nearly 11.30 a.m. when his plane landed in Homestead and Jack picked him up at the airport and mercifully took him off my hands for a few hours. Once again, I was annoyed and emotionally exhausted at the end of what was, in all reality, and especially when you tallied the earnings, a pretty damned easy workday. I had had intentions when I left the bank of stopping by the school I was building to check on how construction was coming along. Hadn't shown my face there since before I'd met Alvaro and our little scheme had gotten underway. But if there was a problem to be solved on site, I was in no frame of mind to handle its solution. 
I thought about just heading home, asking Pedro to make me a simple lunch and spending the day lounging by the pool. Still, I knew myself too well to think that it would be relaxing. I would spend the entire time brooding about what was happening in Miami, wondering how David and Candace and Jack were coping with our unstable business partner. Fearing that someone up there would drop the wrong sort of information to Alvaro and rather than reassuring him, his little sojourn north would only serve to further fuel his obsessive mistrust. In the end, I drove myself to the Teatro Armando Manzanero, where there was a special preview performance of the Symphony Orchestra of Yucatan that afternoon. They were presenting Dvorak's Concerto for Violin, and I thought that a visit to the Czech Republic might be a fitting diversion. As soon as I'd taken my seat in the theater, I had the disquieting thought that Alvaro might take Jack up on his offer to go party in South Beach, and the mayhem and miscommunication that might result in a drunken Alvaro trying to get information out of, or Christ, threatening, an equally libated Jack. But the first movement had already started. I turned off my cell phone and let those fearful thoughts be carried away at least for a few hours, by the strings. Mom says Alvaro's six-pack is delicious. I mean, man, he is good-looking. It's just it's a shame he's such a dick. I had taken it as a very good sign that, emerging from the symphony more relaxed and refreshed than I'd felt in days, there were no frantic voicemails waiting for me from Alvaro when I turned my cell phone back on. This call from Jack served to blow away any lingering residue of anxiety. He and Dad talked bullfighting. Alvaro insisted on Dad calling Chester to meet him in person. He treated Chester like a goddamn celebrity, saying, My own personal connection to the great Ernesto Pastor, charming as hell. And Abe? I asked, needing to be sure that his trip to the Miami Rotary had gone off without a hitch and that he and Alvaro hadn't come within the 35 miles between Homestead and Miami of each other. Oh, well, get this. Guess who Abe ran into at Rotary? Good news never comes when someone asks you to guess who. I could feel my gut tighten, the effects of the soothing violin squeezed out of me. Who? An old friend of yours. Jack, for fuck's sake, will you tell me who you're talking about? Xavier Sosa. Wage wars through the water Thinking I'm Uncle Sam I'm trying to make you live it all I'm just a working man And oh, I love it says I can't get no sleep, can't get no rest Hope you enjoyed this episode of Stained Fortune. It was produced by myself, Joe Calderwood, and Jeff Messer, casting by Charlie Wilson, and performances by Haven Kai, Alan Chandler, Elisa Freed, Brooks Wallace, Lauren Otis, and Lucas York. Music by Freddie Elmberg.